Hi, and welcome to the GMC podcast, the place where you can listen to the weekly word from God and find other highlights from the team at GMC, Gillespie Memorial Church in Dunfermline, Scotland. In this podcast, we bring you the sermon series, Trinity, Understanding the Person of God. Each week we will take a look at a different aspect of the nature of God, God who is the Father, Jesus Christ the Son, and Holy Spirit, as we hope to cast some light and wisdom upon the complexity of the three persons of the one true Godhead, the mystery of the Trinity. But before the message, let's come to the Lord in prayer. My God is so big, so strong and so mighty, there's nothing my God cannot do. The words of a hymn that most of us will recognise. Our God is a God of power. There's nothing he can't do. But there's also nothing he doesn't know or see. He knows each of us better than we know ourselves. Let this prayer acknowledge God's power in all its fullness. Lord, we are all used to having power at our fingertips a switch here, a button there, or even a phone app to set the heating. Gas, electricity, oil, fuel making our lives function in the comfortable way it tends to do. And paying for that power has been on the minds of a lot of people recently. The cost of fuel and how they're going to manage, how they're going to manage to pay for it, or how they're going to manage to reduce their usage. But how many of us stop to think about the cost of having your power in our lives, Lord? That power that we cannot do without. The power that changes lives. The power that gives us the comfort that we really need. The power that Jesus offers. Through the cold spells, the dark spells, the difficult spells but also the power that gives us the bright spells, the good spells, the hopeful spells, the inspired spells. Thank you, God, for the power that you work in this world, for your creation and all that it offers. What does it cost us, God, to have that power in our lives, fully available in our lives? Because it may be freely given, through your Holy Spirit. But we have to put into our lives what you want, God. We may have to sacrifice time and energy and money. We may have to give up the things that we enjoy doing, things that take up a lot of space in our lives. And so, yes, God, it does cost us. We might think we have to make a decision about how we're going to give, what we're going to give, how often we're going to give. But it is you, Lord, who is in charge. Our decision will be one decision only, to offer our whole being to you, to hand over our lives to you entirely, knowing that you will use us for your purposes, trusting that your knowledge of us will serve your purpose. Father, some Christians sacrifice their lives and their families for you. 
Most of us, however, lead very stable lives where extreme danger is not just around the corner. And it is very easy to become complacent, to think that we have everything sorted, to feel at ease with our Christian faith, when in fact we probably shouldn't. Forgive us for being complacent, for wanting our faith to be comfortable, for not wanting our lives to be rocked too much. We should be constantly questioning how big our faith is because it's nowhere near as big as your love and your grace, Jesus. You know we all have questions and doubts about our faith. But if we don't face up to them, if we don't try to find out the answers, if we don't give up things to further our faith, then your power, Lord, won't fill our lives in the way you would like it to. For our world to be the world that you created. Lord, what do we need to do as individuals and as a church? Speak to us in our lives so that we accept what it costs us. We know you speak to us in strange ways, in unexpected ways sometimes, in very small ways, but small things with your power, Lord, can lead to big changes. Like the grains of sand on a beach, Lord, we can alter the shape of this world with your power. Every little change, every person working for you, living for you, can make a world that acknowledges you, Father, as our creator and Jesus as our saviour, working in our lives through the Holy Spirit. Help each of us, Lord, in our small but significant lives to make this world a better place, where your love shines through each of us and where your power and your grace change lives. We ask this in your name. Amen. Following that time of prayer, I hope your heart has been stilled and prepared for God's word to reach you where you are today. If anything you hear from our preacher today, from the word of God and the sermon challenges you, may be raising questions, then contact us. If you want to know more about how we can support you in your faith, or indeed, maybe help you in your questioning of faith, we'd love to help you get to know the Lord or go deeper with him. Or maybe you'd like to support GMC financially in our ministry for the kingdom. If so, then please get in touch through the contact us on our website page, gillespiechurch.org, or via our Facebook page. Now, over to our preacher. My mobile phone went off at five past seven this morning. A text, and I thought, I know who that's from. It's from my youth pastor. And I thought, wow, his wife's going to give birth on Mother's Day. But she's not, he's ill. <laughs> but those of you who are mothers, or, and those of us who've got mothers, and we all have a mother, uh, whether they're alive or dead, happy Mother's Day to you all. Uh, but no, Lee was supposed to be preaching this morning, so I'm here instead, with a few hours' notice. Uh, and his notes. Uh, so excuse me, but... Um, before I do, let's just pray for him and for Ashley. Father, 
in these last weeks of this young couple's time alone together before new life enters their life. We pray for Ashley, for that unborn girl that she is carrying. And we pray for Lee. Father, with his temperature up at 39, I think he said it was, and shivering, and uh, he's not got COVID, but he says he has flu, man flu maybe, but he's unwell nevertheless. Father, would you be with him this day? Would you protect Ashley uh, at this time? And Father, we just give you thanks for them and send their love and ask your blessing upon their home this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. So, the reading. The reading. You were excited for a minute. I was going to say she's having a baby, weren't you? Yeah, no. You'll know when I know. (laughs) You'll know when I know. Right, uh, the reading is Psalm 139, uh, verses 1 to 6. But actually, I think I'm only going to read 1 to 4. And then Hebrews, uh, verse 4.13. O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. And then Hebrews 4, verse 13. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Thank you, Lord, for your holy word, read and heard. May it be to your praise and to your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. So two weeks ago, David um, brought us a sermon on the omnipotence of God, and he communicated that God has unlimited power. What a fearful yet wonderful truth that is. Last week was the second omni-characteristic of God, God's omnipresence, meaning God is everywhere at the one time. And this sermon series, we're considering... um, the Trinity, the characteristics of God. Our task has been in the previous weeks and still will be to try as a congregation to understand and contemplate the truth of the Trinity of God. Difficult concept, but to understand his character so we can have confidence, we can have surety in our faith about who Christ is, who God is, who Holy Spirit is, who they are as the Godhead. And so who is God? Well, we've heard, we know that he's omnipotent, unlimited in power. He's omnipresent, everywhere, always. And thirdly, this week is his omniscience, his all-knowing. For some of us, what I'm about to speak about will bring wonderful comfort. For others, it will bring great conviction and maybe for some, slight concern. But we hope it will bring a balance of conviction Conviction and comfort. And so it should. Um, A long, long, long time ago, when Adam was walking through the Garden of Eden, enjoying God's creation as the first beings, in that very moment, God not only knew you, but also knew you would be sat here in church today, at this time, 27th of March, 2022. 
A long time ago, our brother Moses led a couple of million people out of Egypt, stood at the Red Sea, unable to cross. And God spoke to him and directed him to use his staff in the ground so the sea would part, allowing his people to cross. In that very moment, God knew you, knew what time you would open your eyes this morning, when you would rise, despite the fact that the clocks had moved forward an hour. This, my friends, is the omniscience of God. So this morning, I'm very much leaning into Lee's notes, uh, having not spent the week prepping for this myself. Uh, So I'm leaning on his notes. I've been sat at my desk since about quarter past seven, um, going through his notes and making some adjustments so it fits my way of speaking. Um, So here this morning, with the main point of this sermon, is about God possessing all knowledge, knows all things comprehensively. God has never been, nor will ever be, surprised by us. God never learns anything. Lee, in his research, he's been leaning into some of the work of a Dr. Stephen Lawson, a US-based church pastor, theologian, uh, an author. And I'll break into this subject of omniscience in a few sections that Lee's broken it into. So first, God knows himself perfectly. The Trinity of God knows itself and themselves. This one and this three. God knows itself and themselves perfectly. In Matthew eleven twenty seven, we find Jesus saying, no one knows the Son except the Father, and no one knows the Father except the Son. And if we move along a couple of Gospels, we read in John ten fifteen that Jesus says, the Father knows me and I know the Father. So within the Trinity, there's this perfect, coherent relationship going on where each member of the Godhead knows one another deeply and without fault. 1 Corinthians 2.11 reads, No one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. So do you see that the Trinity know one one another immensely, abundantly, intimately? Their relation, their formation, their communication is faultless. Consider and compare that with my communication with my wife. Lee was talking about his wife. But as I read what he wrote, I thought, yeah, I get that too. (laughs) If we consider our own relationships with our own loved ones, we know we don't have it perfect especially us men. We get it wrong, lots. I have to admit that on Mother's Day. We don't have perfect relations. We don't have perfect communication with our loved ones. As much as we might want them, we don't. But God does in the Trinity. You see, the disciples knew Jesus. Jesus' family knew Jesus. The religious leaders knew Jesus. Yet Jesus himself said, only the Father truly knows the Son. So these other people knew him, met him, but they didn't truly know him. 
And this really speaks of this oneness, this total unity within the Trinity. Let's digress a second or two. Do you believe in the Trinity of God? There's a question. Well, that's what we're going to be preaching on, have been, and for the coming weeks till just after Easter. Do you believe in the authority of Scripture, of the Word of God? Do you believe that God did not make any mistakes when creating the world? Or does your mouth go dry at even the thought of reading or speaking about the book of Leviticus or any of the Old Testament texts for that matter? Or are you a New Testament Christian? In many Christian spheres, believers seem to have this audacity to almost rejig Scripture, to take and leave out what doesn't suit them. You may be aware of this also, but something that's often heard, whether in conversation or radio or TV, is something along these lines. Well, I'm not a Christian. Sorry, well, I am a Christian. And you know Jesus didn't talk about modern-day culture and all the struggles we deal with today. Jesus didn't speak about them, about wokeness and cancel culture and things that are in the media today in our society. So really, we can't be sure we, that what Jesus said. And so, let's face it, everybody should be free to do as they please since Jesus didn't physically say anything about it. We can hear that from those who are Christians. And also, there's a, going off Lee's script here, I think sometimes as well, Christians can be seen to be pious and, and speaking to the outside world and expecting people to understand our worldview and they should comply with it. Well, no, they shouldn't because they're not Christian. It's followers of Christ we're talking to here. And the problem with the view that if you try and just insulate the Jesus and say he said nothing about culture today is you remove the rest of the Bible from around it. You're just concentrating on the four Gospels. And so you also, by doing that, insinuate that Jesus is on a different page from the Father and the Spirit. You end up with a perverted, slightly skewed view of Scripture where the Old Testament has an angry God and then the New Testament is this new, hip, relevant, cool Jesus God. The latter begins to wet our palate because we see that God is a loving and compassionate and gracious and we say, yeah, we'll take that God. And so suddenly we begin to take advantage of Christ's sacrifice and his preaching of loving all to fit the mould of what is comfortable in our own lives. If this were true, that Jesus was on a different page from the Father and the Spirit, then we find ourselves in a whole lot of trouble. Because to isolate Jesus from the Father and the Spirit is to isolate Jesus from the rest of Scripture. And the rest of the Scripture has a lot to say about Jesus. We would also have then have breached the Trinity. And if the Trinity of God is breached, if Jesus is preaching something different from the Father, then Christianity falls. It means nothing. 
But actually, all is well. We know, I hope, that Jesus is in agreement with the Father and the Spirit. For he says in John 5, I only do what I see the Father doing. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are one, nailed together in complete unity. And it's essential that we get this right. I think Lee's got this right here that this is why this series is being done. This is why God's prompted on my heart to do a series on the Trinity. We need to understand that Father, Son, and Spirit are one. Jesus was there when Adam walked in Eden. Jesus was there when Moses raised his staff. How wonderful it is to contemplate the Trinity of God. Second point. Not only does God know himself perfectly, but he knows everything outside of himself perfectly. We read in Job 37.16 that God is perfect in knowledge. The psalmist writes in the 147th psalm that God's knowledge is beyond measure. None of our created means of measurement could be applied to the knowledge of God. His knowledge is vast. He knows all things accurately. There's never been a situation that he's misread. 1 John chapter 1 verse 5. God is light and in him there is no darkness. Light. Light speaks of his holiness primarily. But light is also used as a metaphor throughout the scripture for knowledge. There are no dark spots to God's knowledge. And that should be a wonderful comfort to us as we navigate our everyday lives. For when I don't see, God does. When I don't see things perfectly, I know God does. God knows what is around the corner for us. But I, maybe you're asking in your head, maybe you're not, what about when I pray? What about when I pray and my prayers are unanswered? Really, we should still rejoice and be glad in that even when unanswered prayer affects us and we struggle in our heart, that we still know God is perfect, his knowledge is perfect. He knows better than you and I. And if there's no answer, there is a reason. It's not always comforting to know that, but in faith we can be assured God knows. The third point, God's knowledge is an, an eternal knowledge. He has known all things since before the foundations of the earth. And so God has not succeeded himself in knowledge. For you and I, knowledge comes through learning and experience. A wee baby is born and it's not born with all the knowledge they'll have by the end of their life. But God has simply known, always, from the beginning of time, from before the beginning of time. Isaiah 46, 9 to 10. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times things not yet done, saying my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose. 
what incredible and abundant confidence we should take from that. That God would stand at the beginning of the time and look all the way to the end of time, knowing everything in between. And he says, I will accomplish all my purpose, linear time. There is a beginning and an end, not only to human life, but also for the earth. All these things shall pass away. This is the omniscience of God. And we, I hope, should feel excited about God's omniscience, gain comfort from it, and be convicted by it. The fourth point, God's knowledge is immediate knowledge. He knows all things simultaneously. I think if that was me, it would, my brain would explode. Romans 11:33 to 35, I'm not going to read it, but it says basically that the depth of the knowledge of God is bottomless. Not like a, you know, a bottomless Coca-Cola that you keep filling up. It's just bottomless. His knowledge is never ending. He does not have to calculate to understand. He knows the bottom line. Nothing is added or subtracted from his knowledge. God has no one or no thing that informs him. No one enlightens God. And that should revolutionize our prayer lives. When we pray, we're not informing God of what's going on. I think quite often when people pray, they're, they're telling God what's going on in their lives or someone else who needs help or asking for. We're not telling him he already knows what's going on. Prayer is about coming to God with our concerns, often our worries, and it's reinforcing us in us as we pray, what they are, knowing that God already knows and he will bring the comfort we need. In Isaiah 40 we read, who has counseled the Lord? It's a rhetorical question because the answer is no one. No one has counseled the Lord. Who has taught God all that he knows? Who has made the knowledge so that God would attain it? Nobody. The fifth point God sees all and knows all. Do we slow down enough to consider that? The second passage from this morning, you were wondering if I was going to get to the readings. Um, briefly, our passage in Hebrews this morning said this, no creature is hidden from his sight. This is a different version than the one I read, but no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are named and exposed. The more we realize this, the more we will be in awe of the magnitude of God and what he knows about us. And once we begin to understand that God knows absolutely everything about me, for me, I cannot help but be drawn to not only sheer wonder and splendor of God, but also come in confessing my sin before him. Psalm 33 states that God watches all on the earth. All on the earth. That means he watches it collectively. Everything that's done, collectively. 
And he also watches individually. He knows all that's going on all around the earth, in Ukraine and Russia and Yemen, where there's flooding and where there's people bringing relief. He sees the good and the bad, but he sees it in individual lives too. I think if you were to watch me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, you might find much that doesn't paint me in a good light. And I think that goes for all of us. I love the film uh, with Jim Carrey that has gone out my mind where he's in the TV studio. The Truman Show, thank you. If you haven't seen it, go and try and get it and watch it. It's interesting. He's in a TV show and he doesn't know in it and everyone's watching in on his life. I don't think we'd be comfortable with other people watching our lives. It's uncomfortable be, to be watched in such a way. And maybe that's why some people turn from God. Because actually, he does watch us. And so that brings me to the last point. God's knowledge is penetrating. What we do in darkness, God can see with the light of a thousand suns. What we do hidden behind walls, God sees with such incredible accuracy. What we think, what we say, God knows our true motives behind what we think and say. He sees into the depths of our hearts. We read at the beginning of Psalm 139, that psalm we heard part of last week and part this week, O Lord, you have searched me. The word searched is the same word that is used of the spies going into the promised land in the book of Joshua, chapter 2, where they go to put their hand on the terrain, the promised land into which they're going, the land they're going to scout out so they could return and report their findings. Searching. God has explored and searched our whole being. What we do in the physicality of our lives and what we think in our minds. He has searched you and me and he knows us. But I believe this speaks of his grace and his love for us. In all our wrongdoings, he sees us and knows them. He sees the many times we have given in to the desires of our flesh, yet he loves us so much that he still died for us. This is God, God the Father, God the all-powerful, God the all-present in place and time, and God all-knowing. So the question for you all today is, where are you with God? Where are you with God? If you're all finding this God's allness, these omnis of God, if you find it all okay, then great. Continue to seek and grow in him. But if this worries or scares you, God's omnipresence, his omniscience, his omnipotence, if this worries or scares you, that he's powerful, yet you don't see him in action, that you can't feel his presence when you seek him. And if his knowing everything sends shivers down your spine, I encourage you to lean in to him even more. Seek him in his word, in prayer. 
For the closer you come, I know the more you will learn to trust and hope, find and deepen your faith. Let's pray. Father, you know us and you search us. You've known us since before we were knit together in our mother's wombs on this Mother's Day. Father, and that's kind of scary. But Father, we pray for your gentleness with us, for your bearing us in our struggles, and for your faithfulness to us, that you would love us so much, your son would die for us. Father, this day, may we be all touched by your grace and presence in our lives and those we love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to our Sunday podcast today from GMC in Dunfermline, Scotland. For more details about who we are, what we believe and how we serve, visit our website at gillespiechurch.org or find us on Facebook and YouTube. All inquiries can be made through the Contact Us page of our website or by calling the office. If you'd like to support our work with a few quid, then offerings can be made through the Support Us with Stewardship icon on the homepage of the website. This has been a production from GMC, including the pastors and tech team. All copyright remains with the producers. Today's episode was edited by Jack Wiggle, and the contributing music is Up to the Moon from Low Tree. Thanks for listening, and God bless. Thank you.